1: everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Badlands podcast, the other podcast out there that is 100% chiseled and is proudly part of the Chairshot Radio Network and now also on Smart Today for Radio. I am Mags and uh, my tag team partner, Paul, has now gone Hikaru Shida levels of being the number one contender with his 11 weeks out because of coronavirus, uh, but he misses out on these amazing guests and today I'm lucky to have two amazing guests. Well, one amazing guest and one just pest. <laughs> uh, firstly, I'll introduce uh, someone who you should know if you listen to uh, my uh, podcast, Five Rounds. He's uh, my tag team partner and he's also my son and British ARCO, um champion. So hello, Carlos. Hello, Max. Thank you for having me on the show. It's yeah. a pleasure. For someone who's not a not a, a huge wrestling fan nowadays uh, it will be interesting to hear your your takes on on wrestling but uh the other guest is uh he's a is a legend in this in this podcasting game uh really took the ball and ran with it over the last 18 months uh, It's big pause on a pop big pause how are you
0: Maggie, baby i'm doing good um i don't know about legend i think you're the legend man Give uh, over, uh, the man. the rest of Give us over. <laughs> you got four yeah Mag All Pods, you got it going on, you're on everybody's show, you're bringing in new people. Yeah, you're the legend here, bro.
1: I'm the legend maker, I think. Yeah, it's been interesting, really. Over the last like month or so, I've been on quite a few like new people's podcasts, and I've had uh, new people on my show, and they've gone on to Net Podcast. I think, uh I'm spreading this bug like COVID nineteen.
2: You are like the David Attenborough and I'm like animal voiceovers, but for podcasts. <laughs> 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 like the ninety five
1: old Thanks, tosser. Um, so, Carlos, you've never ever been on Badlands before. You've never gave your uh, your greatest wrestlers of all time. So, give us your four best wrestlers and a little bit of a, a little bit of an explanation why each one will make your
2: cup. I know I haven't watched wrestling in a, a very long time, but I used to be a massive fan, obviously, as a child. Uh, but my four wrestlers, not in any particular order, uh, but we'll go with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Obviously, when I was back as a kid, he was just the coolest guy to be around. Everyone were, were trying to do the people's eyebrow. I um, yeah, being yeah, my friends and that lot. Used to play wrestling and that lot. Like, it's always the people. old boy, used to like just pop out um, and just for what he's been able to do with the sport and being able just to be a, a, generally a good person mm-hmm. out of the ring as well. Um, and then
1: how massive he's become in in mainstream media.
2: Well, that's it. And it's just it's a very humble person. Uh, next one is Triple H uh, Hunter Holmes Helsley. Think that's how you say his name, Hunter Horse Handler. Right that's on. it, that one. <laughs> uh, when, when I was growing up, he was literally my favorite wrestler. Uh, every time I, I used to have a drink of water, I, I were always spitting up in air. <laughs> um, and just again, generally, for what he's been able to do to stay humble and help these other smaller wrestlers, because I know you go on about uh, um, being a podcast and all this other stuff about that. Um, Obviously, what's the smaller promotion called? NXT. Um, NXT, and he's, he's done a lot of work for there and pushed a lot of yeah. younger younger wrestlers over. Um, so he's been able to help a lot of people out since his career has gone on into the, the, the latter days of his... Well, the end days of his career, should I say. Um, the next one is the Rated R Superstar, because if you didn't love him back in the day, you weren't a wrestling fan. Because what he were able to do with, with him and Christian and then coming back up and then all his wacky stuff were, were like later, and then all the stuff he did with Randy Orton. He's just one of the all-time, for me, an all-time great wrestler, uh, especially because of his backstory of like sort of similar going through to like Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy where it's like they started out in like the back gardens doing like these smaller stuff, just creating their own little wacky videos. And um, they actually their dream come true. They were able to come wrestlers and obviously had a tragic backstory where he ended up like obviously neck surgery, back surgery that he ended up having to retire. But a miracle came true and he ended up coming back and, and yeah. making a return. Which that's why he's on this Mount Rushmore. It takes a, a hard man to to come back from something like that and come back to do something that he loved, that he knew that he had to give up one day. <laughs> um, and then my final one and. I, you you've always for me, you've always gotta talk about this guy when you do the wrestling. Woo! <laughs> the mm-hmm. nature boy. Just he's the pinnacle of wrestling for me. If he's been in the sport obviously you could probably uh count the undertaker there, but he's been in the sport longer than anyone I can imagine. Unless he just signed a new deal with WWE. Exactly. So he's that's his bread and butter. I know he's had a lot of uh, a lot of bad stuff in his past and stuff like that, but the stuff he's been able to do for wrestling and the character and Ric Flair that he's been able to to build and play on, and everybody knows and loves the Nature Boy, and if you don't know now, you know. I've, I've
1: been I've been on a a fad of watching the the Ric Flair Jay Lethal woo off from today. It's, <laughs> it's just hilarious, absolutely hilarious. What do you think about Carlos' uh, picks, pup?
0: I think they're good. I think they're good. I mean, it. Uh... Yeah, you've got legend after, legend after legend after legend after legend there. So hmm. yeah, I think Carlos knocked it out of the park.
1: Yeah, especially yeah, for it. someone for someone who's uh, like I said, he's come away from Wrestling and, and don't don't really watch this uh, pretend fighting in your underpants anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh that's no, so what Pop Pop's well with me after there. Um so Pop, let's uh let's talk your your opening topic. Um it was uh the, the of things that we're looking forward to. Post-pandemic um, mm-hmm. coronavirus has foot wrestling over hard. Uh, what things are you looking forward to to happening? I mean, it's just been announced that Japan are, are looking to lift the, their uh, restrictions, so it could be coming sooner rather than later. But what what kind of things are you looking forward to uh, in terms of wrestling getting back to normal? Uh,
0: I, I think. Well, I think for the first, um, I guess the first thing on my list is I want to see the wrestlers start making an income again you Mm -hmm. know and and how does that look are we are we going to be looking at like super card shows and like relief type of shows where it's just kind of like get the wrestlers in front of as many people as possible as many weekends as possible um like are we going to go full you know zero to a hundred you know, right off the bat, or are we going to have to kind of lean ourselves into this over time? It'll be interesting to see, because a lot of these wrestlers are hurting right now, obviously, because they're not working. And so jumping at the bit getting back is enticing for a lot of them. But uh, how how fast is, are the fans going to come back? How How much money can we push back into wrestling coming out of this pandemic? And who's going to survive? And I mean that in the most loving, respectful way possible. Um, there's going to be collateral damage coming out of this with regards to the industry. And the first thing that I'm interested in is how many people are going to be able to rebound.
1: Yeah, I get that. I mean, it's it's easy to say that once it, once everything is uh, out of lockdown, the, the, People just go back and watch wrestling, but you've also right. got to remember there's there's millions of people now without a job. They mm-hmm. they they're without the kind of income to to, to splash on stuff like wrestling. So yeah, we'll be interested to see who can kind of survive what's what's going on. Um, who's next? What's next on your your Mount Rushmore?
0: <laughs> um, number two is um, when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling, and their whatever their next tournament is. You know, whether it's G1, they pull up the BS, you know, uh, best of super juniors. You know, they want to do a, um just a refresher in any way uh, whatsoever. The, you know, touch on the New Japan Cup. Maybe, I don't know. If whatever they decide to do, um, ultimately when they're back and they decide to run full time, uh, what is their first tournament? And can we get to that as fast as possible?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, right now. Uh, I am missing New Japan so bad. I'd take a World Tag League.
0: Right.
1: It's that bad. It's that bad. Uh, and when uh, when Anthony were telling us that that Japan was lifting its uh, uh its lockdown regulations, first thing I thought was when are we getting New Japan back? Right. Uh, yeah, I've, I've missed it.
0: Um, spot three. Spot three is uh, Stardom. Hashtag Watch Stardom. I <laughs> um <laughs> I won. I won. Want... To get started and back, especially in the light of um, a lot of the things that have happened, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, therapeutic value to um, to getting you know everybody back together and and to celebrate the people that need to be celebrated. Yeah, absolutely. you know, so start that healing process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. R.I.P. Hannah kabura Just mm-hmm. sad, sad, sad news. Um, round it off. What's the last thing you're looking forward to?
0: That thing I'm looking forward to is getting back um, getting back to to some flexibility with some special events with aew and nxt i I've been enjoying this little pseudo war between the two of them. Um, I like the, I think the reason why is because it's something that can play it's still playing out through through all this pandemic stuff yeah. and and to see them do a little and because to me, it's all in good fun, right? like it's not. And by good fun, I mean, like, as a fan. Like, I don't, I don't pick a side, right? I have no allegiances to either. No. So to be able to sit here and enjoy the back and forth between the two and the counter-programming, uh, I, it, it, you know, it brings me into both promotions more. I get more invested in both promotions. So so with that, um, to see them be able to have a little bit more flexibility in counter-programming and, and the shenanigans uh, with regards to that, i uh i'm interested in but right now we can't do any of that because um you know you just you just don't have as much flexibility as you did you know four months ago
1: yeah and this, especially with the fact that they're working on uh, at least AEW uh are working off a very skeleton kind of crew down there exactly. um for for me if i were to add one to that i think it'd be getting the fans back in 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 attendance because as good as aew have been able to kind of uh play with this situation and and, and have like the the rest of the the, the team as a kind of an audience it has missed that that fan interaction and the first show back where they're allowed to have a at least a semi-decent sized audience it's going to blow the absolute roof off that event um and especially jericho comes out and this and they start singing judas it's just going to be it's going to be kind of like goose pimpled stuff. Uh, and I think WWE need a crowd back more than, more than AEW, to be fair, because their shows have been – they've suffered without having a crowd, I think.
0: Right. I would agree. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. It's your boy, Rance, aka Ray
1: Cash, of The Outsider's Edge. I'm here with my boy, Kyle, and I got a question for you, man. All uh, right, shoot. What would you say are your four worst – Mount Rushmore – of worst edge
0: guests. Ooh, that's a tough one. The Mount Rushmore of worst edge guests. It's
1: pretty easy. It should just be two people.
0: I mean, nah, 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 nah. The the three worst guests in the history of the Outsiders Edge are obviously Caleb, <laughs> Carl, <laughs> Caleb, Carl, and Mags. Right.
1: Well, I mean, Darren's trash. You know, Darren, and we can't even shout out Paul Tolley because he's never been on the damn show. I mean, that's good for us. Speaking of Mount Rushmore, I guess we can shout out the fact that Badlands Podcast, part of the Cherish Radio Network. Check it out. We love the show. Uh, Always listen, man. Cherish family, we're here for you.
0: 100%. If y'all haven't checked it out, you got to do it. And, I mean... If Darren were here, we know one thing he would say to my Mount Rushmore, and that is he has a He
1: would
0: veto that shit. That veto for that shit. But he's not here, so I said what I said. You want to come on the show and defend yourself. You know where to find your boys. If you don't like that, we don't give up.
2: Fuck. Thanks for listening. Don't forget
0: to check out the chair shop.
1: Yeah, uh, some great picks there. though. but uh, let's get into this main topic. Um, we spoke, and we I, I thought it'd be fun to, to kind of steer away from wrestling for an episode of uh, Badlands and uh, talk one of our our other shared passions, at uh, UFC. And I thought let's do a draft of uh, the UFC champions. So basically, we're gonna pick a we're gonna formulate a top ten. But uh, in the in the typical Badlands way, we're gonna have ten picks each and uh, then we're going to have to start nominating uh, picks off that original 10 until we've got a definitive 10. Uh, but when I mentioned this to Carlos, he, uh, he wanted in. Uh, Carlos is a, uh, as massive an MMA fan as me, and he, he was like, yep, I need it on this, so yes. I threw the the idea out to pub, and yeah, we thought we'd, we'd make it a, a triple threat, a three-way dance. So there's going to be a total of 30 picks. We're going to uh, take turns, and we're going to each have 10 picks, and eventually at the end of it we're going to have a, a definitive top ten of uh, who the, the greatest UFC champions are um, so let's go to uh, let's go to the, the guest first I mean I know you're both technically guests but uh, Carlos is less of a guest
0: <laughs>
1: uh, we'll, we'll go to Pop first what's, uh, what's your first pick on this uh, this uh, draft of UFC champions?
0: Nice, I get number one pick, that's first huge first draft had huge. Okay, well, I mean, hey, if you're going to go number one, um, overall, you got to go with none other than uh, George St-Pierre, in my opinion. I think that, you know, not just his nine defenses, <clears throat> you know, of the uh, of the welterweight uh, championship, but this guy has proven time and time again that uh, whether it's his wrestling acumen, he talked full, full-on MMA fighter. Right. And from striking to wrestling to submission work, you know, especially at the time in which he was doing it. You know, this guy was just above the game. Um, yeah. He was just better than everybody else. So, you know, I think you got to give it to the GOAT, George and Pierre.
1: I agree. It, it, it was uh, I mean, for context, I always pick. Um, the exact amount in case we have exactly the same pick so he was definitely on my list uh, what's always amazed me about GSP is that he's never been really uh, officially trained in any of the, the kind of um, uh, the ways of fighting he's literally just took to everything just just with with a massive passion to the point where he was almost considering being part of the Olympic wrestling team for Canada. He was he just was that good with no kind of formal training. Yeah, he was just an absolute star and, and very very deserving of going in
2: the Hall of Fame later
1: on this year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: Carlos, uh, what do you think of JSP? Well, that's a definite go. But he was he was on my list. If you're going to make a pick of UFC champions, you don't leave out JSP uh for the what he's been able, what what were able to do in the early start of his career, um, by taking uh, two losses on the chin, uh and then coming back uh to basically take his title back off Matt Serra mm-hmm. and but well, a bit of backstory behind that to be honest with you. Matt Serra <laughs> Matt Serra won the ultimate fighter to actually get, get a, shot. Get, a yeah, get a title shot against J S P and everyone thought J S P were just gonna run through him and shock horror, JSP lost that fight. Uh he ended up coming back taking the title uh off Matt uh Matt Serra and going on an absolute tear. Um, well, that's the mark of a of a, a champion
1: though when you tear that loss and you learn from it.
2: Oh yeah definitely and then look at the likes uh, uh I think he fought Matt Hughes again after that beat him uh J- Johnny Hendricks, Carlos Condit, uh Nate Diaz uh, Nick Diaz Dan uh, I, know, I I didn't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Dan Hardy as well. But, no, nah, Dan Hardy's the only one who's lasted in an armbar for about two minutes and didn't get tapped out, so what a gangster. But, yeah, yeah you don't leave JSP off a list, so put what a pick. Yeah, so, Carlos, we'll go to you for spot two. Spot two on this. Oh, it's going to be hard against you two. It's a throw
1: a little... Uh... You've got to be political, though, when you're picking. Sometimes you've got to throw in uh, some sacrificial lambs. This is why I'm doing This is why I've
2: picked... My list. Well, try to pick the list. I know I'm going up against you and Poppin' you, you and Pop, especially Pop, and stuff. So, oh, cheers for that. My pick on this list is going to have to be the uh, first ever inaugural UFC heavyweight champion uh, in Mark Coleman. Hmm. Again, another one I have. Back in the day. Mark Coleman were the, obviously one of the biggest draws in the UFC. Um, he was one of the biggest guys. You looked at him and he was just built like a tank. I, I know it, back then it was like most like no-hold bars, the rules and that were all over the place, but a lot of people didn't really want to fight him. Uh, and back then, a lot of people were watching the sports like that because of these bigger guys, the littler guys and that lot, have only just recently started coming. But Mark Coleman, guys like that, made the sport. And for him to hold that first bell means... A lot to to like hardcore MF, MMA fans like like myself. Because um, for him to hold that first piece of history, that will never go away. That. So yeah. he, he'll always be... A, he, he'll never be like the all-time greatest fighter, but when it comes down to history and the mixed martial arts, he's near will always be there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And fun fact, he also holds the record for the fastest uh, TKO in Prague when he uh, knocked out Yuji Shumara in two seconds.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What do you think of uh, Mark Colby being on the list Pop? But- yeah, I mean, he's a legend. You know, I mean, this is the godfather of the ground and pound. You know, mm. um, this was early days UFC. Without Mark Coleman, I don't know if we would have had such um, interest in the carnal side of, of the UFC, right? There's a stretch there where you just would brutalize people by getting on top of them and physically dominating them. And nobody embodied that as well, um, and did it at such a high rate like uh, like Mark Coleman. um in the fact that you know he's had an accomplished amateur wrestling career, so I got Carlos playing on my heartstrings, and uh, we got ourselves a good pick here. in Mark Coleman.
1: Mm, interesting. I, mean, I think my first pick. I'm gonna I'm to stay down the same kind of route. I'm gonna pick the person who we who we beat for that first uh, UFC heavyweight title. I'm gonna pick Dan Seven. Nice. Um, obviously he became the second and the last ever superfight champion when he uh, when he beat Ken Shamrock but then he lost that unification title but he was the, the first and only actual UFC triple crown champion uh he won the the tournament championship the superfight championship and the, the ultimate ultimate championship before UFC kind of went down the, the the divisional belt ranking so uh then obviously being a wrestling fan he went on to do Brilliant stuff with the with the NWA. Kinda of stuttered in his uh in his UF in his WWF career, uh, but was still a massive legend. And uh, just the image of him coming out with with Jim Coder and carrying like five belts with him. He just yeah, he he was so legitimate and apparently such a, a great guy as well. And he's uh recently wrote a book. So yeah, I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with Dan the B seven at, at pick three. Nice. So back to you, Pop.
0: Um, Hmm. well, I guess I can, I, Dan Severin's a good pick. Mark Coleman's a good pick. I like, uh, staying in the heavyweight division and I think I'm going to go as recent as we uh, possibly can here. And I'm going to go with, um, probably right now, the greatest heavyweight of all time. And that's gotta be Stipe Miocic. Um, not, yeah, not like obviously you could say like Randy obviously has been the best heavyweight of all time. But I mean just from like a like in the octagon success, you know, Stipe being able to uh, not just go in there at a time where, you know, you've got trained killers, you know, like the heavyweight division right now is the most most athletic it's ever been, in my opinion. And, and the fact that he's been able to go in there not just win the title a couple times, but then to be able to defend it. As many times as he has, you know, I think it puts him in the rank as being known, you know, as the best heavyweight of all time. Um, he is somebody that, outside of just being a good um, uh, fighter, good person, you know, finds himself in a position where he doesn't take unnecessary fights. He waits for the the right ones, knowing that he has a shelf life. And I think he should really be looked at as a blueprint for a lot of these heavyweights coming up in the future to uh, you know save yourself from all these, you know, uh, filler fights and only focus on um, the ones that are either going to, A, get you paid or get you in a position to win the title.
1: Yeah, um, I agree. I think he's one of the, the better heavyweights to, to ever wrestle well, some good, but it's the first one that I haven't actually got on my top 30. Is it? Uh, yeah, I didn't have a stupid
2: or chat at all. I've uh, banged him on there near enough straight away on my yeah. If you're picking a list that Pup said, he, he's... Yeah, fair enough. You could have gone with some of the, the legends like Randy, but what he's been able to do in that heavyweight division, he's set the stone for what heavyweights sort of need to be. That is I mean, to get the most title defences that yeah, be in. I, I agree with you. It's just, I, I, looking up and down my list, I, I, I
1: did really stay away from the heavyweight division, to be honest. I think I've only got three heavyweights, and for me, looking at, at what I've got, them three heavyweights would rank above steep here for me.
2: Yeah, that's what I mean. They could possibly, if the said legends are, like I said, I think put an agreement with me. Like said, legends could come up all the for what, like, how big their name is, but yeah. for what he's been able to do in that in that division, not only go on a, a tear before the title, but get the title, get a, the most defenses, get lose to DC, then come back and beat DC, like. And to just take that into their account, the only other person who's beat DC is John Jones. DC has beat everybody else that they've mm-hmm. put in front of him yeah. about, before he even got into the UFC. So that just, that just says something right there. Uh, he's just one of the greats. And
1: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm he's, not. I'm he's
2: not, the best the I'm not disagreeing with you.
1: It's just I didn't, I didn't consider him, to be fair. Um, Carlos, let's go to you for your second pick and the,
2: the fifth overall. I'm gonna go with Carlos Newton, one of the world's Ooh. weight champions back in the day. And all of, just because for, for this reason, and it sort of matches to the heavyweight division, um, Carlos Newton back in the day, when when he first got seen, when he first, uh, I think when he first picked up the title, he won it via like bulldog choke. Like no one like, ever saw that bulldog choke back in the day before he like did it. Um, he was just like an absolute monster. He was like built that like Francis Ngannou were, but in like the welterweight division. Um, so he takes a he takes a lot of credit from that. Uh, he was the he was the one fighter that a lot of people were like. Oh, should I fight? Look at the size of this guy. <laughs> I kind don't of, want to fight him. Kind of like um, um the
1: the Yul Romero of his time.
2: Basically, yeah.
1: Um, That's we're
0: putting it. Um,
2: um, for our. And going into his going into the the title fight when he actually lost the title, uh, Put, Do you remember how he how he lost the title? And who too?
0: Uh, no no I don't think I do. Yeah,
2: he actually lost the title to to Matt Hughes and uh, it was it was proper bizarre. He actually locked uh, Carlos Newton, locked in a triangle choke, and Matt Hughes ended up uh, picking him up. Him. Yeah, right. he picked him up and put him up against Sid Cage mm-hmm. and. Matthews went out. Matthews went out, and that's why he like slammed him down. And because the referee only saw Carlos Newton out cold, and if you looked at it on the video, you can see Matthews like like How getting out of it. Like, oh, what's <laughs> just happened? <laughs> but the, that it was the most bizarre title like loss I've ever like saw in my life. Like, the, the champion actually going on to to putting the guy to sleep, but because he's already up in the air, and he gets slammed, and he gets knocked out, he loses his belt. It's like that for me, but. I think that ironically funner,
1: but that's why he's on that. That's why he's on my list. Yeah, and
2: another one who uh, I, I totally understand the point of it, but
1: uh just someone who, who didn't enter my kind of periphery. Um, yeah, great pick. Um let's go to me for my second pick. I think I'm gonna throw in a sacrificial lamb now. I need to get rid of some of the dead weight on my list. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Carla Esparza. Um first ever. Um, women's strawweight champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, she beat Rose Namajunas in the final of uh, the Ultimate Fighter 20. Uh, and whilst her, she's not, her career hasn't gone the best. She's she's uh, kind of fighting her way back to the the top of the division with a uh, picking up a couple of recent wins. So maybe her time as a champion is not over. Uh, I think the division may have moved on on this some uh, some fighters in that division that uh, are absolutely animals, but, yeah, uh, no one can ever take away the fact that she was the first ever straw strawweight women's champion, so I'm going to go with Carla Esparza, I think.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I liked her in the Ultimate Fighter. I liked her <clears throat> in her last fight against Watterson, you know, and everywhere mm-hmm. in between. So, where she's had pivots, certainly, along the way, you know, I think that... Uh, She's she's somebody that um, helped to put put the the strawweight division on the map.
1: Yeah, and I think the the reason that I went for for Carla is she it was the it was more the 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 kind of trail that she blazed. Uh, obviously, <laughs> oh. we've seen in the women's uh, side of MMA more than the men's recently that how technically gifted the the, the women are become in, in such a short space of time. I mean, we've seen the likes of Joanna and Whaley, Zhang and Valentina Shevchenko oh, all come on, being these amazingly technical fighters. Uh, but you need someone to, to start that, that ball rolling. I think Carlos Barza was, was one of those people in that strawweight division. Definitely. So, back to Pop for, for the start of the third round um, with your third pick.
0: Well, I don't want to grab all the favorites, but uh, <laughs> you know, I think with the with the third round here, I think we've got to start knocking off some of these heavy or heavy hitters. and um it de- again, it doesn't get much heavier than uh, John Jones. Um, he's the youngest champion in UFC history. he he, for all intents and purposes, should break every record, um provided that he can just have consistent matches, <laughs> get to the next match. Uh, without being um, detoured at all. Uh, but this guy, from the controversy to what he's able to do in ring, uh, the way he goes about training, he's just on a different level with how he attacks the sport of um, mixed martial arts, and he's been doing it for a long time and continued continuing to do it. Uh, he owns the light heavyweight division. Uh, where his future lies in the heavyweight division, we'll figure out along the way. But uh, John Jones definitely i don't know if it's warrant it's the 7th pick on this list overall and uh, on some level that's kind of a disservice
1: <laughs> yeah i get that but um i think the the issue with jones is the substance of uh you yeah. said and cannabis is in a demons is uh... If he didn't have those those issues, it, there would be no argument about him being the the number one pick and the the greatest of all time. He just can't seem to get out of his own way, uh, and really, his, his only losses have, have come because of himself. I mean, I know technically he's got the loss to Matt Hamill, uh, but everybody knows that that was a bad call. It yeah. should have been a disqualification. But yeah, the the guy who Bones is struggling to be is is Bonds. Hmm. Carlos, what do you think? You obviously look like you've got something to say about Bonds, no uh... No, just I. ain't got him on my list, to be honest with you. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't hang on the list of the thirty greatest no. UFC champions.
2: Personally, um, he's not one of my. He's, he's not one of my personal. He, he would want to be, but as, as coming from a fighter point of view, it's hard for it's hard for someone like me to who wants to really whose whose dream is it is to be in his position and. He just messes it up for himself at every point. He can't stay on track. He's just the guy's a toolbox. <laughs> like when <laughs> when when Dana Watt said about Mazzagata being a toolbox after when he called that fight were were it Matt Hamill when he was like doing the elbows, mm-hmm. Matt Hamill were there and asked him if he could carry on. <laughs> John Jones is the toolbox in that fight because he's the toolbox in his own career. Mm-hmm. So he's he he's I, a personal I, I don't career. know if I can look at
1: all your picks from now on mm-hmm. the same
2: well, I, I can never look at John Jones the same it's just a disappointment wow so come on disappoint us with your third pick this is going to be a disappointment because this is going to be a sacrificial lamb. my sacrificial lamb for this one sorry cupcake but it's you um and of what I did pick mainly well mainly just because I didn't want to pop up I didn't, I didn't want to be picking out like all the greats and, and all the best champions but but she's got a bit of a a backbone behind her for what she were able to to do in the women's division. I know she wasn't always the best, but she were able to sort of climb away into that title picture when Holly Holm took uh, the fight and did wait for Ronda, and she were able to capitalize when Ronda uh, when Holly Holm were on the ground and were able to submit her. Uh, but also as well, she's done what. Uh, a lot of women fighters haven't done. She's actually gone into sort of like the business side of mixed martial arts. I know uh, Rhonda's stepped away from it and making a a ton of money from the wrestling, but you've got uh, women fighters who basically complain that they've, they've basically got nothing to do if they're either fighting or modelling. And if they ain't got that, it's like, oh, they haven't got nothing else to do. And Macy Tate's one of the ones that are proving them sort of wrong. Like, yeah, just because you're a woman, you have... You have got different routes to go down. Look at her now. She's working close with one championship in, uh, over in China. So yeah. um, that's why she's uh, on my list of the greatest UFC champions for what she's been able to capitalise on her career and what she's been able to do afterwards. Yeah, I think she's
1: probably not going to stay on the list, but I do get your...
2: Oh, yeah. I don't expect her to stay on I list. I do get your
1: reasoning. Uh, for, for me... She was always that kind of like the bridesmaid. She came around when we had such a, a dominant fighter in, in Ronda Rousey that she was always going to be that, that kind of like second tier. And then when she did get the, the title shot against Holly Holm, she was almost like she, she ruined the big well, fight that was coming and, and kind of like upset Dana White's plan. So, and then she was all the champion for like a cup of coffee. So I don't think she would have made She definitely didn't make it on my picks.
2: No, well, she's like the she's like the Rumble Johnson, like the DC and John Jones era. It's like you, you've always got them gatekeeper fighters that are in them divisions, and she was always one of them. But she was one of the lucky ones to to get her hands on that piece of gold. Yeah, what would you have picked, uh, Misha Tate?
0: I mean, in the top thirty, uh, sure. Yeah, I, what I like about what I like so much about Misha was that Misha was like everybody's favorite secret you know with Ronda being as mm-hmm. as high and as heavy as she was and the fact that she can get past Ronda like Ronda was just on a different level than Misha Tate at the time you know and nobody really looked at Misha outside of the sport as being any good because she lost twice you know uh, well ultimately a third time and but like to to the people that were in the know like she's as good of a 1A as you had in the bat, uh, in the Ventumweight division uh back then and um she would have been a great champion um longer if if Ronda never existed. Could yeah. she have had the impact of a Ronda Rousey? Probably not. But considering what the division was back then, she was a superstar in her own, right? Who just again just had to sit back seat to, to Ronda.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Um right, let's go to me for my third pick. Now, I'm I'm thinking along the same lines of, as Carl. I think it's time for a, to at least put a couple of uh of, of sacrificial lambs on because it's going to get to the hard picks soon where you've got to nominate people off. And looking at that list, there's not a lot of uh, dead weight, really. So I'm going to stick someone who I think is probably going to get voted off. I'm going to go with Chris Wildman. Uh Yeah, he... Um, he ended the one of the most dominant reigns in in not only uh, UFC but MMA history when he uh, when he dropped silver for that middleweight title went on obviously again to defend it uh, in kind of controversial circumstances with the with the broken leg, uh, uh-huh. but he uh, he did go on to to reign for almost three years nine hundred days almost um, before he ended up dropping the title to Luke Rockhold. Um, and he's, whilst he's never been able to kind of reach that pinnacle again and you can't fault the guy for trying because he's, he's never taken the, the easy fight, he's always tried to 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 kind of put himself back in that fr- uh, frame. Uh, I think just the fact that he beat the greatest fighter at that time and, and went on to beat him again uh, kind of puts his name, at least in the conversation. And uh, fun fact is uh, he's also tired for the the record, amount of takedowns in that division with uh with Tyler's latest uh, with thirty seven takedowns. So yeah, I'm going to go with uh Chris Weidman for my third pick and ninth overall.
0: Yep, I like I like Weidman. I like the New York Zone. Um, anytime you take down a legend, you got to be in consideration. That's number one. Number two, uh, again, he got it done with his wrestling. This is a guy that you know, nobody gave a chance to coming in on that first fight. Then he has to go and reprove it against Silver one more time, uh, and he shows up for it. So you know, you talk about that winner's mentality. Chris Weidman's got it, Absolutely.
1: Carlos. What Carl's... do you uh, think about Weidman? Was he on your list?
2: No, he's not. He's not on my list. But he like I'm saying he is one of he is one of the um, one of the all time greats. From him sort of being the the modern day American dream coming in and and taking the title away from one of the most dominant champions in UFC history. Uh, and then, obviously, going on after that, beating the likes of Vito Belfort. And then, obviously, mm-hmm. when he lost the title to Luke. And his career sort of, like I say, gone down a bit on the down spiral. But for him being able to do what he did before he picked up the title, reigning for the best part of three years, and his name's still still out there. Mm-hmm. And even though he's one of the guys who's jumped up to the heavyweight division, um, it, it's just... You know you're a big name when you can just jump up a division, and people are still rooting for you in that division, even though you've never fought in that before. Um, so yeah, that's a good pick. Personally, I haven't picked him, but that's yes. a good pick. Uh, so Pop, let's go to you
1: for the, the start of the fourth, draft, uh, fourth round, and the last pick on this uh, this uh, this first top ten.
0: I uh, <clears throat> I'm want to This is so I've been hitting a lot of heavy hitters: GSP, and Miotych, and John Jones, and I'm not going to say that this is a burner pick, um, but what I will say is that uh, his impact has felt more out of the championship circle, right, than it is, um, you know, in it. And uh, so for my fourth pick, I'm going with Forrest Griffin. And the reason that I am is because, number one, he legitimized, in my opinion, um, you know, everybody from. Tough enough, there again, yeah. <laughs> the ultimate fighter. Um, yeah, the same thing, same equivalent, but yeah. um, he uh, he obviously is known for for the finals against uh, Stefan Bonner, where they went in there and, and essentially saved the UFC, yeah. right? And that's that's what they're known for. But then for him to then go on after that, I mean, this guy is the Mati, uh, the Captain Planet, uh, heart guy. Um, of the UFC, this dude fought uh, with passion, and and he went in there, and he would just be a slugger, and he would just do anything and everything to win, and it ultimately culminated in him working himself in a position to win the light heavyweight uh, championship from you know uh, Quentin Jackson yeah. of it of who an uh, was an animal back then. Are you yeah, so you know for all the and so again, it just plays into that heart narrative that much more, and when you talk about. Um, you know champions of the UFC especially mixed martial arts in general without uh, looking at Forrest Griffin and, and the heart that he put into it um, I think we're you know undervaluing or underappreciating uh, an important aspect of becoming a champion and uh, I think that doesn't <clears throat> get embodied by anybody better than Forrest Griffin.
1: Yeah I had my mother and and I know he didn't he lost in his first defence didn't he I think against uh, Rashad Evans mm-hmm. uh, in in that like period where the towers was literally getting hot shot and from person to person. But the reason I had him on, on man was was the everyman factor. The fact that he was you you just felt like that you could do it if someone like Forrest Griffin and just a normal guy can go on and be the the best at, 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 in his division you felt that that kind of meant that you could be the best at whatever you could
2: uh, you were doing in last. life. So, yeah, I had uh, Forrest Griffin. I think it's a great pick. That is, honestly, that is from, a, from a, a, a fighter and an actual fan. That is one of the perfectest... One of the most perfectest pick. I can't even pronounce that. <laughs> one of the most best picks that you could have ever picked for one of these sort of lists. He was listed the second fighter I put on my list. Just for that reason, he... Him versus Stefan Bonner in the tough final uh, saved the UFC. Mm-hmm. Spark were on about basically cancelling the show because they weren't pulling in the ratings, they weren't doing as well um, when the fatigues and Dana White basically bought the organisation. Uh, I think they bought it for like a million or two million, something like that. And they were actually putting money in it and actually losing money. And if, if it wasn't for the ultimate fighter and Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner, like Puck said, just basically slugging it out. UFC wouldn't have been around today. That that belt wouldn't be out. We wouldn't have we wouldn't have known, the what what the USC were today. It, it wouldn't have been on telly. It would have been cancelled. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that one single fight saved the USC And like you said, there's no point going on about his career. You and Pop have have already done it. He's he's lived the, uh, a massive career. He's not been the best fighter, but he's always been it's a guy. It's the heart. That's it. He's always been the guy with the biggest heart. He, he he'll like but one great fighter always said, "I'll I'll give you what you pay to see," and that's exactly what he did. He, he's a sluggy. He will fart and he'll put on an entertainment fight. And not only that, is he's, he's been able to go on after his career, uh, and he still works for the USC. I think it's in the main PI in Las Vegas. I right.
1: he, he, no, he, he, he does a lot of the promos, with that that uh, sit down, done as well as uh, the interview section? Yeah, yeah, he does right. a,
2: a lot of the analysing and stuff like that. But it's uh, he's like one of the... That's I can't remember exactly like what job Tartley does. Like an ambassador. Um, yeah, he's an ambassador for the sport, but in the USCPR, PR, uh, it's like a performance... Obviously, the Performance Institute and that lot. He helps fighters go over, like, technique, all, all that other stuff and that lot. So, he's he's still a proper ambassador for the sport and wow, that was a, a great pick. So, before we go to you,
1: Carl, for your uh, fourth pick, I'll just quickly run down this top ten. Uh, the The first top ten we've come up with is... JSP in spot one, then Mark Coleman, Dan Seven, Steve Pemiocic, Carlos Newton, Carlos Barza, Bones in seventh, Misha Tate, Chris Wadman, and round now the top ten, Forrest Griffin. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the
0: world of pro wrestling? $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at PowerSlam.tv.
1: Uh Carlos, let's go to you for your fourth pick and who are you uh who are you voting off?
2: Right, I'm gonna vote off my my own pick. Wow. In Cupcake. And I'm um, only reason I'm gonna do that is because, like I say, I've, I've sort of tried to play it a bit. A bit safer. I want to, I want to veto her for Holly Holm, right? And, and
1: interesting to veto someone for someone who they what
2: Definitely, definitely. <laughs> but it's, it's. I know it's a weird pick. I know, I know it's less understandable. But just hear me out. I know that major Tate were able to take the title from Holly Holm, but at the end of the day, I don't think that were more. Uh, what would you call it? Uh, credible. Mm-hmm. Then Holly Holm took the title from Ronda Rousey, oh, yeah. and the oh, way yeah. they did it, she knocked Ronda Rousey out with that head kick. Yeah. She only she only uh, um, she only put Holly Holm out when she choked her out and put her to sleep. But in her first title defense against uh, Amanda Nunes, she did tap. She didn't go to sleep. At least uh, it's a moral victory. I don't know if she sounds silly, but a moral victory for Holly. She didn't. She tap. She yeah. she I mean, went to sleep yeah. for that. But not only that, it's she's always been a fighter. She hasn't she hasn't just took the losses and f- and always thought, damn no good at this, I need to I need to give it up. She's always been the one in that, especially in that women's division, it in, in the featherweight in the banterweight division, to always push herself and always tell herself that she always will be number one, even though to come over all the adversity that's getting thrown at her to always still keep fighting and be in that top position. Like, she's fought Amanda Mandevines, she's fought for the Flower Wicked Out, she's been the Bantamweight Queen. There's nothing more she can do in her career. She was the first person to beat Ronda. Um, So, she is uh, a legend to the fans more than a legend to actual, the sport, if you will. Yeah. I get that. Um, The reason i would had go with Holly Holm
1: is she was the first... She was the, like the first kind of marquee signing in the women's division. I mean, I know we obviously had Ronda, uh, but she was like the first. Holly was like the first crossover star that, like, when you heard that a, a, a world champion boxer was interested coming over, and it kind of pricked your ears up. Uh, and then obviously she went on to to, to win the title. And yeah, uh, again, kind of like Chris Wadman, she's never been able to reach them hearts again. But she's always, if you got to get a win over. Holly Holm, that's a big notch on on your belt. Pop, do you uh, do you agree with Holly Holm? Yeah,
0: I, mean, I like Holly. <clears throat> um, Holly, um, for everything that you guys said, you know, bringing the way they brought her in, uh, her overall um, level of professionalism in the ring, I uh, I think on top of both that she beat Ronda Rousey. <clears throat> um, she's always going to have that. She's always going to have that. And it's one of those things where she didn't just beat her. Like, she knocked her the fuck out. (laughs) It's straight up got her. And, you know, that really opened up the women's division, you know. And and it's no fault to Rhonda, but, you know, she had that, she had a ceiling on that division, um, and it was her, and then it was everybody else. And with Holly Holmes knocking her out, now it opened up the doors to allow... Uh, a, a tremendous amount of women's fighters to kind of break through and, and that would never have happened if Holly Holmes didn't do what she did. So, good on her.
1: She made it open season, basically. Yeah. Um, Great pick, Carlos. Uh, going to me for my fourth pick, I'm, uh, I think straight away, I know who I'm getting rid of. I'm going to be getting rid of uh, Carlos Newton. Um, whilst whilst he, uh, he's always going to go down in history as as a a great fighter. He just doesn't have that kind of impact for me uh, because I I just wasn't watching UFC back then, so I kind of got that emotional connection. Um, And I don't think you're going to like who I'm replacing him with. Uh, I'm going to replace him with Brock Lesnar. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What? The reason why I'm going with Brock Lesnar, and it's not because he's the greatest fighter of all time, it's not because he's got an outstanding record. I think he ended his career something like five and four or something like that. But it's it's what he brought to the UFC. I mean, we, we spoke earlier about Forrest Griffin saving the UFC brought, Lesnar brought mainstream popularity to the UFC. He was for a long time for seven years until we got uh, McGregor and uh, versus Diaz. He was the biggest draw that UFC ever had with UFC 100, uh, Again, he's not the best fighter in in the world, but he did bring that kind of legitimacy, went on to be the the face of the company. I mean, the the they wouldn't have got stuff like a, a video game if it wasn't for the likes of Brock Lesnar being there. He brought that kind of um that that it's just as simple as that. It's the mainstream media and, and the guy's always gone on to be able to at least be successful in everything that he's tried to do in in, in life, and he became the the UFC champion. And you can't take that away from him, whether you agree with his uh, his his MMA quality or not. The fact is, he, he was the, the the face of the company. So I'm going to
2: go with Brock
1: Lesnar. I think. Oh, Carlos it, is not a happy person. No,
2: no, that's it. No, that's a good pick. At the end of the day, you've got. I know like you got Ken Shamrock, T Two Chuck Liddell. Then were the guys who were the big stars back then. But at the end of the day you have as a fan and as a fighter, you've got to face fact when Brock Lesnar came into the UFC, he brought the fans with him. Yeah. He he so like you said, he brought that mainstream media and without without him, the sport it could have it could have been as big as it is today with McGregor and that lot, but you never know. But it it, it what what happened happened. And he, when he crossed over from, from WWE, from the big name he were there, he, I know a lot of people don't like admitting it, but at the end of the day, he helped MMA grow as a sport for how much popularity he brought to the game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, fair enough, he might not have been the best fighter, he might have got his, his jaw punched off by Velasquez and he might have got oh, his kidneys kicked off <laughs> by over him. but... <laughs> His he, guts kicked him. <laughs> yeah, but at the end of the day, he brought the fans. Yeah, He brought people who wanted to watch the sport and obviously as the sport grows, the fan grows with it and Brock Lesnar will always be in my talks for the guy who did bring the people to to Mixed Martial Arts. Yeah, Pop, do you agree? And uh, what would be
1: your fifth pick as well?
0: Yeah, I uh, I do agree. And it is funny to think that um, a professional wrestler is the most compelling draw in all of yeah. the Um But it's not wrong, you know. I mean, for that time period when he came in, the injection of new money into the sport can't be overlooked. Um, and that's all because of Brock Lesnar. So I think that's a good pick. Uh, I am, so we are in the fifth round. Wow. Uh, looking at this, I want to replace... Somebody on, I'm gonna go with. I'm going to replace Carla Esparza.
1: Oh, because
0: I think ultimately she's going to come off the list. And uh, if I can get one off of MAGS, I'm going to. Um, (laughs) But I'm going to, um, uh, my fifth pick, uh, fifth round pick is going to be none other than the person that I think is going to be the greatest uh, women's champion of all time when it's all said and done. And that is Valentina Shevchenko.
1: I was hoping you'd say someone like uh, Nico Montana then. <laughs> <laughs> so you think Valentina over Nunes?
0: I do. I think when the dust settles and it's all said and done, um, I think that Valentina is going to get her W back. Um, I think that she is. She was fighting one type of way, a lot like Joanna, when she when she won the championship. um at uh, at straw weight, it was um, she only knew how to fight one way, and I say that loosely, obviously. But she had a, a key discipline, right, in kickboxing, um, and then she came into the UFC and she's been able to utilize that to just run rough shot over everybody. Um, I think that she's slowly adding different layers to her game, and when she becomes a competent and uh, well, again, that's probably disrespectful, but when she masters. These other disciplines, and she can start stringing these batches um, together, utilizing different skill sets. Um, I think her versus Amanda Nunez becomes that much more impactful uh, when they ultimately do meet up. The biggest thing for Shevchenko's legacy isn't, you know, how much is she going to win? It's going to be can UFC go out and find enough comparable um, competition? To, to pad her legacy mm. or is she somebody and that's just the reality of the women's side of the sport right now uh, is there enough from these different um weight classes and different fighters in the world to be able to create compelling uh matches at the top of the sport uh and that's
1: kind of like the cyber problem where they was yeah, not the...
0: problem ronda at the beginning yeah. you know what i mean um even joanna you know like she had to go through a lot of. I'm not gonna call them no namers, right? Obviously, but like you know, she had to. She, if you look at her five title um, stretch defense of the strawway title, you know, like it, Claudia and Valerie, they're not like crazy good. You know what I mean? Like they're they were good, but the sport was still evolving. You know, they were yeah. still bringing them up. Like it's such an it's such as still in its infancy to be able to if you're good in one discipline and you have the cardio you know, you can go far in the strawweight back in the middle 15, 14, you know, time frame. But Shevchenko, if she can, uh, they can get her, you know, some quality competition and she can have one big feud that, um, you know, transcends the division, that the, the, the men-women arc as well as the uh, the, the, the division mark, then uh, she'll end, you know, number one on my list.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said apart from one thing. Um, I think she Amanda Nunes is always going to be a kryptonite. I don't it's think. Good,
0: yeah, it's fair.
1: I think Amanda, as, as 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 evolved as Valentina has become over over a, a reign as a uh, as flyweight champion, I think Nunes has evolved probably one of the best in in all of MMA as a, mm-hmm. a fighter. So whilst I have her on my list, she was not as as um, as high up as as Nunes.
0: And I think I think maybe both of them sneak into the top ten.
1: Yeah, perhaps we'll see. Maybe one will
0: replace the other. Oh, <laughs> uh, well,
2: That's a good pick though, Valentina Shevchenko. You can't go wrong there. Uh, mm-hmm. For what she's been able to do in the sport, a pinnacle in her career now. Uh, I think what made it. I think what made her a standout fighter is the UFC made that division. That that's a natural weight uh, class. Uh, is a is a flyweight. She fought in a Muay Thai career, flyweight, and she's always been a, she's always been the latter, a latter person. Um, so yeah, uh, I think if you the he didn't make that division, I think you'd be right in that in that sense. Amanda Nunes would always be a Kryptonite. She'd always it'd be like the DC and John Jones. Uh, yeah. She'd always have even though it'd always be a very close fight. I think Amanda Nunes wins it, wins it every time. Um, but yeah since the UFC made that flower division for her, uh, she'd just been able to rip it up. And I think what made it more set in stone is for how well she were able to beat Joanna for the belt. Mm-hmm. And
1: and, that, and that's the Joanna that was arguably the, the best female fighter in the world for a, a good couple of years.
2: Well, she really wanted to be the first women's flower champion in the UFC history, so she, she came into that fight 100%, ready to, ready to take that title... Uh, I'm ready to beat Shechenko, but Shechenko was just a different animal like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a better fighter, but top pick, quality pick. so Carl, It's on you, uh, for your fifth pick. I've got a lot of people left. <laughs>
1: That's your bloody hope up, because you've got a lot of picks left.
2: Right, I'm going to... go to veto. I know I'm, I'm going to make it a little bit of a consistent thing, I'm going to veto, again, my own father, Holly Holm. You're you playing it so diplomatic. <laughs> oh, this, you, you've got it. I'm against you and pop I've got to do it like this. I think. <laughs> I'm going to take Holly Holm off the list for Chris Sarburg. Wow. And the only reason... Wow. Not, I, I love Holly more than I do Chris. I think Chris is a dick, to be honest with you. But for what she's been able to do in like in Victor, Stratforce, Bellator in the UFC, she's she's Chris Harburg's for, I think the last ten years professionally. She's always been that big name. She's always been that name that when you want a women's division to make in your organisation, one of the names that comes up is Chris Harburg. You want that person in your in in your organisation. Before Nunes knocked uh, knocked, her clean out and landed one on the jaw, several. But, (laughs) yeah, it's hard to not say that she is not one of the greatest champions. Now, I know she's had a backstory with cheating, with um, steroids and all that sort of uh, bullshit, but a lot of fighters have, and it's getting a popular thing that, obviously, Isada, Wada and Varda need to sort out, but... That's for another time. But, yeah, she you can't deny what she's been able to do in women's mixed martial arts in the last 10 years. So I know that Ronda Rousey was the first person uh, to be a UFC champion, but at the end of the day, when you look at women's mixed martial arts at a whole, Chris Cyborg, for me, sits in that centre. She was the Naganu. She was the Yara she, she the She was the woman that no-one wanted to fight because she was... She was known as the best woman fighter in that generation. She was the Fado Milidenko above all the heavyweights. So it's hard to not deny her a spot on this list getting out of the way of all the controversy of her career. Yeah. Um, my issue is that,
1: that the majority of her wins have been padded. She's been fed a lot of cans. A lot of cans. Um, you could argue that apart from Holm and maybe Felicia Spencer, the the talent that she's faced have, have not been anywhere near her calibre. Um, but I understand she is a USC champion. She's el- eligible for a pick. I don't know how long be staying on. So it's on to me to uh, finish off this first half, uh, last, last uh, pick of this fifth round. Do I chuck in another sacrificial lamb? I've got a few sacrificial lambs. Um, it's just there's a couple of names on here, uh, I don't really like the look of. I'm taking Cyborg off, I think. That's the first thing I just said. Um, <laughs> she's a douche, uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna replace her with someone who I kind of expect to stay on the list. I think. Uh, Mighty Mouse. I'm gonna te- I'm gonna take her off for Mighty Mouse. Um, arguably the greatest fighter at least in, in the conversation for the greatest pound for pound fighter that there's ever been um made it to the top of the the lightweight and bantamweight divisions when there was there was they were literally the smallest divisions that the that the ufc had and he was still very underweight for those divisions but still was able to get to the upper echelons of those are uh, those rankings and then when the his natural weight, the the flyweight division got brought in. He, he just he absolutely demolished that division. He he was the bones of that division, but without the the controversy. Um, he was just absolutely amazing. Just beat everyone who who, who came before him until he finally obviously dropped in the second fight against Suhudo. Um Wasn't given the respect from from Dana and the UFC in terms of that of um, his legacy, and then obviously traded off to to 1FC to get uh, Funky Ben Askren in, and we all know how that went. Uh, got, he got his ass handed to him in about like, five seconds. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think when the dust is settled, uh, I think Mighty Mouse goes down as as one of the absolute greatest fighters to to ever uh, step foot in the octagon. So, yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, with Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson.
0: It's a good pick. I mean, dude's a legend. 11, you know, 11 defenses of his title. Uh ten defenses or yeah, eleven defenses uh cumulative as well, twenty-one for what is it, one hundred forty-two days as champion. Uh he's a stud. Yep,
1: yeah, absolutely. Carlos, do you uh do you like the fact I've took off a food for
2: for DJ? I'm not even bad about that. Uh like, you can't be when you speak about the all-time greats, Demetrius Johnson is the is the goal. He's and just for for one for one, not even his career, just for that, Marty Mouse armbar. Do you know how hard it is to suplex someone from the from getting back control to suplex someone into an armbar? Do you know how many times I've tried that in the gym, <laughs> I, and how many times I've pulled it off? I must have done it about two, three hundred times, just over and over. Again. Just asking my I Just can I try it? Can I try it? I have pulled it off like I'd say once or twice, but that's not even perfect. That's and to do that in actual fight in a title fight it's just fucking phenomenal yeah.
1: oh, and, and it's, it's the evolution he had <laughs> as a fight he was he was never one who, who kind of rested on his laurels and, and realised he was the best and didn't have to 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 level up he, he always did he always came a better and harder fighter every single fight definitely like, top pick so uh, and I'll quickly uh, run off the, the current top ten before we get into the, the sixth round so we've got GSP Mark Coleman, Dan Seven, Stephen Miyotich, uh, Brock Lesnar, Valentina Shevchenko, Johnny Bones Jones, Demetrius Johnson, Chris Wardman and Forrest Griffin so put into you for the the first pick in this second half the your sixth pick overall.
0: Yeah, I um I think I want to pick this person just because I want to talk about him a little bit. Um, but I'm sure he's going to fall on everybody else's list. And although uh, I've really been enjoying Carlos's picks up to this point, I think I'm going to lot knock his last one off in Mark Coleman. Uh, so he officially doesn't have anybody in the top ten <laughs> right now. Um, and I'm going to go with Khabib Nagamet or uh, Nagamendov. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, go, 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 go. Always, going. <laughs> every time,
0: every Never time. Been yeah. And the it's reason is such
1: a difficult man.
0: I know, it drives me crazy every time I see it, I'm just like, God damn it, here we go. Um sometimes I hit it. Anyway, he uh he's transcending the uh, the wrestling game of of mixed martial arts, which is very exciting as somebody who comes from that background. Um I've said it for a while. I've said it on five rounds. I've said it um, in, in general conversation that you need a wrestling element to the way that you fight to be able to, to become a champion in the UFC. Um, we've had a lot of punchers over the last six months or so be successful. But half the reason that they're successful is because they know enough about wrestling to not get caught up uh, in their pursuit of a championship by the wrestlers within their divisions, right? And I think that's an important thing. Um but Khabib, outside of just being a standout wrestler, this dude is changing the way in which mixed martial arts wrestling needs to be looked at. Because it's not, okay, you're gonna be in front of you're in front of me and I'm gonna shoot for a double and I'm gonna take you down. Um instead what he does is he kind of corners you and he plays the angles and he pushes you up against uh, the fence and then once you're up against the fence now he's setting his feet in such a way in between um wrestlers feet or or playing the hips on the outside hip towards the cage uh to put your to put um that 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 opponent in a position to um be lifted up and dropped on his back and he's been doing this consistently uh now for you know the better part of what four years five years and and nobody touches him when it comes to wrestling and the reason why is because what he's doing is just on a different level um it's something that hasn't been seen before coaches have to adjust their game plan to discuss foot placement along uh the cage to be able to handle somebody like khabib and that type of uh evolution doesn't come around often and when it does, it's one that we need to talk about. So that's why Khabib makes this list. Yeah,
1: I agree. He's uh he's arguably the the greatest all round fighter in the UFC today. He's he just he's got he's got hitting power, but that that wrestling game is just on another level. And for me, it's he's the person who I get most excited about watching because I'm I'm like you guys. I, I look at the technical aspect of uh of MMA and. The, the standout for for me for Habib is the way he's just got this this skill of controlling every single limb of his opponent. Uh, I know that's obviously the the aim of wrestling is to to kind of control your 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 opponent's movement, but he's just got a way of almost being like an octopus where he wraps himself around you and, and he makes you do what he wants you to do to to make your position that little bit that little bit more dangerous. he's just. He's just amazing fight to watch.
2: Oh, definitely. When you when you look at Khabib, you just look at his technical side of it. He's two-time uh, Sambo world champion. He Wrestled was, bears. Oh, yeah, wrestling he, bears. He had a he had, he had a pet bear when he was like three, four, something like that. He was just wrestling it. I think he he set foot in the in the dojo when he at the age of two, three. He's I say set foot on the mats when he was very young, started competing when he was like eight. Um, started competing like actually like, so professionally in the wrestling when he was like 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he's had a uh, he's had a phenomenal career. Uh, he's like a black belt in judo, black belt in sambo. He's wrestling is is on. He You can't you can't fault it. No, that pup says I can't see anyone beating him in in grappling, especially at that. Especially in that 170, pound, uh, that 155 division, uh, he's already a big guy. As it is, like if he if he wanted to, he could go up to 170 and and possibly have a a, a run at that title. But mm-hmm. for a for the for a big guy, he cuts weight to get down to the uh, I think cuts a good 30, 40 pounds to get down to 155. Uh, so yeah, he's. I can't see anyone.
1: I can't see anyone beating him. To be honest, you. for me though, the 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 scary thing is if we kind of revisited this in say five years, I think a lot more of those kind of uh, Dagestani uh, wrestlers will be on this list because it's just an absolute hotbed of of MMA talenties. It almost reminds me of um, China, the way that uh, China kind of put so much uh, uh, money behind getting their stars to be the best in each uh, in each discipline. It's like almost like. Uh, MMA was was built for for these Dagestani uh, uh, fighters. I mean, you've got the likes of uh, uh, Magomed Sheripov coming up. He's 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 on the cusp of being one of uh, the UFC's best fighters. Yeah, it's just uh, an interesting time uh, in MMA with uh, with these Russian Dagestanis, and Habib is is definitely up there as uh, as one of the best fighters in the world. Um, Carlos, ah, oh, it's definitely quality. Pick
2: pick. Six. My sixth pick. It is going to be no other than, than the slugger of Justin Gaethje. I'm going to veto him for Chris Weidman. Whoa! <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, as much as I like Chris Weidman, I like Gaethje better. And if you don't like Gaethje, you ain't a fan of the sport. He, I, he, I, I fucking love him. <laughs> I just love him. He's just—he just comes in there with an attitude to mm-hmm. far. and not only that, he's a good person. Mm-hmm. Like he's like Isaac, uh, a lot of people didn't know about him. Uh, he wanted to be like a, a social worker. Mm-hmm. Now that's totally different. That's that's bizarre from someone who, who, when you're in the when you're in the especially someone who farts like him who <laughs> wants to <laughs> kill, kill, <laughs> kill people, then that's, then to be a social worker who wants to help like young teenagers and so so that's amazing, but. But no, he's got a... I think he's had a better career than than Chris Wardman. Uh I think he had a more standout career than Chris Ward. Even though Chris Wardman's beat the goat Anderson Silver. Um I think everyone knows who Justin Gates is now when everyone everyone sort of is now looking different from the ass whooping he put on uh El Tony Ferguson. Uh so a, a performance that nobody expected nobody, even from Justin Gaetje. Well, Tony Ferguson looked like he fought Tony Ferguson like that, night, so it's it that is just impressive. It's going to be it's going to be scary to see that fight between Khabib and Justin Gaetje. <laughs> now, that that pup said, I know Khabib's mental on the ground, but if if Gaetje can stop his takedown defenses can could be put up with them hands. Uh we'll see. But yeah, that's why he makes it on on my list is just for his standout career of that lightweight division. Yeah, I, I agree with it.
1: I didn't have him on my list. Uh put what do you think about uh Gage being uh on the, the list of the greatest UFC champions.
0: Uh, I I'm potential is there for sure. I mean and and to Carlos's point. Um, I don't know if there's a more compelling match uh, for Khabib. You know, Ferguson's nice and all, you know, but you look at Justin Gaethje and and the potential of what that guy really can be um, as far as you know, uh, his run with a championship and he's got just as much, uh, untapped potential as anybody else. I mean, nobody talks about the fact that this guy is world-class wrestler or yeah. a world-class wrestler because he doesn't do it anymore. Um, but you know, he trains that way and he's able to get in there against Khabib and he's able to just nullify it enough to get his hands going. And you could make the case that Khabib could be in trouble. So, yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of a flyer because he's been a champion for, like, a day. But <laughs> uh, but it, with regards to the potential behind somebody like Justin Gaethje, I got to say, like, yeah, people are scared of this dude and they're scared of him for a reason.
1: Yeah, uh, for me, I think it stands out because it's a rare thing that when uh, UFC brings in someone who's made their name outside of... Uh, the the company you, you tend to get like it's it's kind of a massive wake-up call you get like the uh, UFC jitters and it's hard for a lot of actors to reach that kind of uh, the potential that they had out, outside the UFC you look at the likes of Will Brooks came in uh with massive heart couldn't quite do it Ben Askren came in as arguably uh being called one of the greatest welterweights of all time couldn't, couldn't hang in the UFC and it's, you, it's a very rare person who can come in have those UFC jitters and then kind of evolve the game to, to be one of the best in the world and, and he's definitely done that uh, whether he stays on again is, is another thing because there's a, a lot, there's a lot of picks there who, who, who haven't been mentioned yet and they've done a, more important things for the UFC but definitely it um, deserves a mention Definitely, uh, and I think that mention's coming short very quickly because I'm gonna I'm gonna buy <laughs> him off. Uh, I'm gonna buy <laughs> him off instantly. That's probably not uh, and again, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy him off for someone who, who potentially could stay on till till the end. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Rice Gracie, mm. uh, the first ever UFC champion. Uh, an absolute pioneer in in MMA, uh, brought that kind of Brazilian jiu-jitsu style to what was arguably back then just a, a stand and bang sluggers, uh, no rules kind of fighting. Uh, won uh, the UFC one, two, four. Won every single one of his fights uh, by submission, and he was the first kind of big. Star in in MMA that could hang with these heavyweights and and kind of bring that wrestling uh, jujitsu style and and made people realise that that maybe that was the way to to go in in MMA to have that kind of a submissions base and and build on that rather than just coming in knowing that you could throw hands and not not people not people out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna replace Justin Gates with uh, Royce Gracie I think.
2: Quality pick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I ain't complaining. But again, Carl, you you go back down to having zero names on the list.
2: I know <laughs> this is what I mean. We've I bully, think we bullied you today, Carl. I think I've I've played this. I think I tried to play this safe, but I think I've played it too safe. I've I fucked myself over here. There's plenty <laughs> of plenty of time and plenty of big names to to go
1: out to get you some picks on this. Oh, list. definitely. Um, mm-hmm. But let's go to you for for round seven.
0: Yeah, I think um my next pick is somebody who because again, I, Carlos doesn't have anybody on the list. This is somebody that embodies um you know, part of um of Carlos's list here. And uh, we were just talking about Justin Gathey. And I think that Justin Gathey is um he is the new age uh, Matt Hughes. I think Matt Hughes for what he was to um the UFC back in the early 2000s, uh, that farmer strong, right, is the way we always kind of classified him here stateside. And for him to come in and um, produce the way that he did, you know, with two uh, separate um, like 700 or 800-plus day reigns or close to it uh, in the um, welterweight division and taking off or taking out GSP in the process, uh, I don't think that he should be overlooked with regards to his impact. He was one of the early stars of the UFC. Um, he was a little white bread. He was a little vanilla. But uh, but overall, you know, I, from what Matt Hughes' base was of being a wrestler and then what he could do with his hands, you look at somebody like Justin Gaethje and you say, like, okay, well, they kind of mimic each other a lot, uh, just more elevated because it's been, you know, almost 20 years. Um so I'm going to put Matthews on this list.
1: Great pick, absolutely great pick. Um, who who are you getting rid middle?
0: Um, well, looking at the list, I think I'm going to get rid of Brock Lesnar.
1: Oh my giddy god! Wow. <laughs>
0: right.
1: um, I mean, I mean, I understand. I understand it. I didn't expect Brock to uh, to survive. Uh, it was literally just one who, who who did deserve to be mentioned because of what he brought. Well, yeah, Matthews. Um, amazing fighter absolutely amazing if it wasn't for him and uh, in a in a smaller sense Matt Serra we wouldn't have got uh, the the GSP that that we had Uh, he was kind of he was kind of that perfect um, nemesis the the fighter that made GSP evolve to to be in this uh, best fighter and I think he still Matt Hughes still holds the record for the uh, most finishes in uh, welterweight title fights with with eight finishes so yeah great pick
2: Definitely a great pick. They were on my list. Oh, well.
1: So, who are you adding then, Carlsbad, in mm-hmm. your seventh pick?
2: Now. Getting into the weeds now. It is getting into the weeds. So I think I'm going to throw it up a bit. is an amazing wrestler, but he's not an Olympic gold medalist. So, I think I'm going to veto him for triple cringe in Henry Cejudo. That- that literally just... It
1: just makes a mockery of your picks. No, it doesn't. It, it, doesn't it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. was Khabib a double-chalker? I'm not saying... <laughs> no, I'm not saying Sahudo doesn't deserve to be on the list, but taking Khabib off the list for
2: Sahudo, that that's making a mockery. i you seen to bullying me. Yes, <laughs> so I'm taking Khabib off. <laughs> Khabib's coming off. Triple cringe is going on. Oh. Triple cringe. It was all... It, being able to have two simultaneous titles. Yeah, fair enough, they got one of them uh, vacated. But an Olympic gold medalist. Paul, you can, you should be able to back me up on this because you're an American and this boy won 2008 Olympic gold medal in wrestling. You, your country's like main sport. You you should at least back me up on this one.
0: <laughs> I uh, Here's what I will say. <laughs> I will say that Henry Cejudo, uh, his journey... Um, to to being a champion is one of the more impressive ones that I've seen, and they're all good, mind you, because everybody has has a, to get to that level, has a story. But the fact that Henry Cejudo left high school and went right into the U.S. Olympic training program and and opted not to go to college, and then he well, then worked his way up the ranks to 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 become a, a gold medal champion in a weight class that I don't believe the U.S. has ever won before. Um, great accomplishments from Henry Cejudo. So in that regard, um, with regards to how a champion builds their legacy and the competitive drive uh, that they have to become number one, I can I can make certainly make a case for that. Um, to take him off for Khabib. That's 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 so hard because again, Khabib, you know, is evolving the way wrestling is looked at, uh, offensive and defensively within the UFC at a time when, technically, we're in the greatest era of of fighting uh, in general. So you know, but they're both fighting in this era, and and Triple Cringe is is succeeding at a very high level. So like you know, it's it's there's more nuance to this than on the surface, Carlos, so I think it's a good pick. It's good talking points. Mm.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I, I had him on my list, and I was going to to hopefully bring him up, but it's just a fair a fair, be, fair be, but it's just that's that's the sticking point for me. You've took off who he's going to go down as as possibly the, the greatest oh, of all the time. for four, four so here we go. that's shocking. Um, yeah. Wow, I've actually lost the word so I'm going to have to go with a safe pick for this one Uh, I'm going to drop Forrest Griffin um, as much as I I absolutely adore the guy the fact is he was a champion for a cup of coffee and uh, there is people who who we haven't mentioned yet who who have done amazing things as as champions and I'm going to go with arguably the the greatest female fighter that has ever laced their gloves up I'm going to go with her uh, Amanda Nunes, the first and only ever female champ champ, uh, when she when she got both the bantamweight and featherweight titles, holds the record for uh, for title reigns in both divisions. I think she's been uh, the the bantamweight champion for over fourteen hundred days, and she's been the uh, the featherweight champion for over five hundred days. Even though she's technically not defended it, um, she is just. She's the bones of the the women's fighting division, where she's just head and shoulders above everybody outside of weight class. She's she's just shown the evolution of of women's fighting. Um and yes, yeah, she just she's got that knockout power as well. And she's just she's just an amazing person as well. She's just you can tell it means so much to her. She's taken so much pride in in the fact that she's the 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 best women's fighter in the world and and it's a, it can be a heavy cross to bear for a lot of people and we saw that with uh, with Rhonda where she kind of struggled with that fame. I think Amanda Nunes takes it all in a stride and she absolutely loves the fact that she's the the, the pinnacle of women's uh, MMA. So, yeah, I am going to put on uh, Amanda Nunes for Forrest Griffin. Oh, uh,
2: that's... I agree with that. Uh, as much as I love Forrest Griffin, obviously the work he's done, you can't deny... Nunez, she's she's beat the the best of the best. Like I say, the first ever women's simultaneous champion. So yeah, it's a good pick. Does she stay on the list? We'll see. I'm, I'll if you take her off as
1: well as taking the big one, I'm literally going to spend the rest of the day editing every one of your picks out. <laughs> Uh, before we go into uh, uh, Pup's uh, views on Amanda Nunes and, and his, uh, his eighth-round uh, pick, uh, I'll just do a quick rundown of this top ten before uh, Carl starts voting off Amanda Nunes. Um, so we've got GSP, so perhaps he's picked one. Uh, we've got Henry Cejudo, Dan Seven, Stipe Miocic, Matt Hughes, Valentina Shevchenko, Johnny Bones-Jones, Marty Mouse, Royce Gracer. And Amanda Nunes. Put uh, what's what's your thoughts on Amanda Nunes? I know we spoke uh, a little bit when you you brought up uh, Valentina Shevchenko, but uh, taking Amanda Nunes as as, as a, a fighter, do you think she deserves to to be on this list?
0: Yeah, she she's not only deserving, but she should be looked at. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be ten as a total, but if we were to break it out, you know, by division, she's the best in the women's division. Bar none of all time. She's the GSP of women's mixed martial arts, and she will probably be she will probably go down as the greatest mixed martial art, the, the most influential. I mean, pick the accolade. Like the she is so above everybody else right now. Uh, Shevchenko, I think, might win the war, right? Um, but I think when we look at uh, the I, animals, I, of I, history,
1: I don't know if that's the hill. I'm,
0: I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I said that wrong. Uh, Valentina might win the battle, right? Like she might win the battle. I don't she, think
1: that's the hill of Dan either.
0: Right. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I'm still going to play with the Shevchenko side with regards to taking the title off Nunez at some point. But I think when you look at the total body of work at the end of it and you say, like, who's the GOAT of all time? Uh, until somebody else comes into the picture that's just crazy good, uh, it'll it'll be Amanda Nunez for the body of work um, in her career. Um, I don't think that'll be in dispute. Um, so yeah, a good pick on Amanda Nunez. She'll she'll make the top ten. Um, for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in Brazil because we need to start getting some Brazilians on this list. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna go with my personal favorite of the three Brazilians. Now that Amanda Nunez has been picked, uh, and I'm gonna go with Jose Aldo. Um, I think Jose Aldo for you know being a 2,000 day champion. I think for owning the featherweight for the better part of ten ten years for um, you know, seven defenses of his title. Um, and the fact that he still is dangerous today, um, the way he was, you know, uh five, six, seven, eight years ago. Uh I don't know if there is a better leg kicker in all the history of of Vix martial arts than Jose Aldo. Um I, so the I, dudes I, I,
1: I maybe would throw the in that.
2: Okay. boss is the only one who's got that too. Oh. Too, like, technical, no, but not I, I'm, I'm, I'm to, not disputing him. But Pop's got uh, a point, like, the guy came from that soccer-like background yeah. and his kicks are fucking lethal. Yeah, I mean, and this is another guy who uh,
1: kind of lived the sport. He, he was homeless and he was living in the... Oh, he lived uh, in the gym. He lived uh, in the gym, uh, yeah. The and, cleaning the gym just to like, get by. It, it, was, it was his life, yeah. And I had him on, on my list... Uh, it was the face of the large divisions when UFC kind of moved away from the, the kind of five division structure that they had. He was the absolute star. Uh,
2: yeah, great, great pick. Uh, he's a great pick. I've, I've loved Jose Aldo, like most of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Conor McGregor, before everyone started like, looking at the R's, like, he's always been the pinnacle of what a featherweight needs to be. He's always been built like a fighter and he's always come to fight. Is he's, he's a Brazilian at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. He's like you say, Romeo, he you come from fighting. It's only totally new. So uh, what a perfect pick.
1: What what uh what name is leaving the top ten for Jose Aldo though?
0: Um I think um I think it's gotta be Dan Severin. Sorry, I next. expected
1: it I expected it a long, long time. I'm surprised it's lasted this long.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's just a certain respect you give to him uh, for you know being a um, sports entertainment, um, you know juggernaut.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, absolutely s- stellar pick, uh, Carlos. Into you for your uh, for your eighth pick. See, I are gonna veto Dan Teply. Oh, I know. Looking down this list, there's, there's literally only one person now who, who I would mm. instantly veto. Uh, what is
2: who's, uh, who's <clears> our <throat> top ten now? Right, I'm going to... Oh, it's getting harder and harder, this. I'm going to veto... I think I'm just going just gonna to have to get, get one up. I'm going to veto Shevchenko for Rich Franklin. Oh, that is bold. It is bold. But a lot of people don't remember Rich Franklin. A lot of people don't. Don't know what he did. I remember him knocking motherfuckers out with a broken arm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that's what I mean. But a lot of before the Anderson Silver came, a lot of people don't realize what an actual gangster this guy was. What he was able to do in that middleweight division, and he was a math teacher. A math yeah. teacher going out there and knocking guys clean out and just viciously the way he was doing it. He had. He went in there with no emotion, just just a kill yeah uh, he he was the he were, he were again he was the pinnacle of what a middleweight needed to be he, were, he was the fighting style of his of his generation a lot of people don't a lot of people just don't grasp how how technically sound this guy was that fair enough he, a lot of people could have looked at him that like he may not have been the best but what this guy his potential could have been and what he could do was was phenomenal that, a lot of people looked at him, this guy hit fucking hard, he he? he hit like a truck, and I know he weren't built massive, I know he wasn't built big, but the strength he had behind him, uh, like I say a lot of people don't know his fight, a lot of people didn't watch him, but if a lot of people go and study, go and uh, look Rick Franklin up, and and see what some of his opponents, had had to say about him after the fight, and, you'll see more guys do not want to fight him after, uh, again, I think it was only Anderson Silver who were actually willing to fight in the second time and that were only because Rick Franklin was the champion yeah. before Silver took the belt off him but, for me, he is, he is he's one of my personal legends for middleweight division in UFC history. Yeah, I, 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 whilst I don't think he's better than Ch- Ken
1: in, in terms of uh, of what they've done uh, as, as a champion, I do get I do get your point. He was he was kind of like the standard bearer for the middleweights until Sparta came, and then even once Sparta kind of took over and, and ran with that division, um, it didn't leave Franklin like kind of in his dust. Franklin was still able to like evolve and and kind of keep pace with uh with with that, that ever changing division. So yeah, it's a, a great pick. i uh, very out there. I didn't even remotely have it uh, on my mind, but yeah, great pick. But what do you think about Rich Franklin?
0: I love Rich Franklin, so you're gonna get no uh, argument from me. Um, you know, besides everything that you guys have discussed, he also made pink and pink and brown look good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, uh, for all those reasons and more. You know, Rich Franklin to me, he's in that Matt Hughes, GSP, Matt Sarah era where you know, for the early fans of UFC, you know, he really was uh, a guy to sink your teeth into as as a star um and whether it was you know he you talk about the the old puncher's chance that was rich franklin through and through so yeah no problems with him on this list yeah
1: uh, great pick very, like i said very out there shocked me that, that his, his name's come up but yeah great pick uh now on to my eighth pick uh i'm gonna take off steve abriott he was the one kind of standout who who Looking down that list, he's, he would be the next person on the chopping block for me. Uh, and again, I'm going to replace him with someone who may not stay on in terms of one of the guests, but may stay on in terms of uh, another guest. Uh, I'm going to put him... I'm going to replace him with uh, Michael, the Count bispin.
0: Nice. Uh,
1: the reason why is because he's our boy. We've, uh, we literally live 10 miles away from where he was born. Um, mm-hmm. He's the only ever British UFC champion. Uh, when he uh, when he spun the jaw of Luke Rockhold, which was just the best thing that's that's ever happened in, in in the UFC. He's obviously went into all of fame last year, but it's more for the 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 standard bearer that he became for for British. Uh, mixed martial arts. I mean, we know his background. He was a uh, he was kind of a a, a, a bad boy, getting in trouble with the police. Uh, it was literally on on the verge of maybe uh, getting getting sent down and going to prison uh, when a police officer said to him, "You need to uh, kind of that uh, channel this energy into into something else. Put him in touch with uh, with Alan Blacknats, Carl's uh, Black uh, uh, uh Court, and." And it literally changed the guy's life and changed the, the, the face of MMA in Britain. I mean, Carlos probably wouldn't be doing what he's doing now if it wasn't for the likes of uh, Michael Bispin and, and the likes of Dan Hardy, uh, Paul Daly, stuff like those, like British fighters coming through. And it, and it can all be traced back to, to, to Bispin. Being being like the first UFC fighter winning the Ultimate Fighter three, and going on obviously later in his career to winning a title. So yeah, I'm going with uh, going with Michael Bisping replacing Stipe Miocic.
2: That is, I ain't arguing with that. Like, Mm -hmm. literally, Bisping was my first. When I wrote about Rick Franklin, my uh, for my second. Basically, was my first pick. He'll always be my first pick when we talk about UFC greatest champions. Uh, he started martial arts when he was eight he started in jiu-jitsu um, Jan knew that Michael just had a phenomenal he, Well, he knew that Michael weren't, didn't like the educational side of stuff he knew that Michael was more of a hands-on person so he knew if Michael wouldn't have some success when he were an adult he needed to go out there and and learn to use his hands um, and I know a lot of people know this, so a lot of people are uh, a lot of people, if you want to uh, have a little bit of a watch, go and watch Michael Bisping' My Destiny. It's a quality documentary, uh, and in there, it talks about a little bit about what Jan had to do. Um, Jan had to drive him up like, two uh, two hours to like Nottingham and stuff like that, just to go to like jiu jitsu classes when when he was a kid and stuff like that. And and Jan, uh, Michael's dad, he were he was a serving soldier back when Michael was still a kid. So being a full time serving soldier um, for the British Army when but they're actually like a Polish heritage, like Jan's mum and dad was was from Poland. They they came to England when obviously Germany invaded Poland and stuff like that. So if it if it wasn't for them doing that, maybe we never could have had the count. So he's had a big a big part in 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 the role of, of British mixed martial art from uh the outstanding work he did with Cage Rage. Um, and for how many people he got to follow in the sport. Um, I'll always respect him for for how well he's, he's Tret Allen and for how humble he is. Uh, his new documentary, he, he came back to England and he, he went to go and see Allen, uh, asked him how he's he was doing, he had a catch up, and uh, that'll always stick with me. He'll be a very humble guy. And just because just, Allen was the first person to to tech him into the actual mixed martial arts. I know he started jiu-jitsu, but if it wasn't for Alan teaching him the kickboxing, he he would have never been like Northwest champion. You know? He would have never been a British kickboxing professional, like heavyweight champion. Um, so Alan helped him hone his skills, and that's what we see him in the UFC. We have seen him, you win the title from his kickboxing. So for him to still come back and be as humble as he is and still pay the thank you to Alan. When he's in California, he's that, on the other side of the world. And Alan's in a small town small town called Burnley in, in England. Just to show that humble, uh, makes him one of the all-time greats. Even if he didn't have a championship, it just shows how much of a fighter he is. And when I went on about a guy, I said, I'll, I'll give you what you pay to see. This is the guy who will give you what you pay to see. If you want to see a fart, he will fart he'll get knocked out or he'll win the fight but either way he's going to fight he will not take a step back it will always be going forward just to give you what you pay to see yep
1: totally,
2: totally a great. living legend Yep. Pop, let's go
1: to you for for round now
0: yeah yeah I uh, yeah I like Bisbing. Um I think that the only part that you guys forgot um, excellent job by the way um, breaking him down and what he means to y'all uh, is the fact that he did the last what, half of his career with one eye, you know? Much, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: yeah. It was absolutely mental. A lot of people didn't believe that, but,
0: yeah,
2: i never seen that in real, in, in real life, but he, apparently he did it with Alan, and he apparently popped his eye out, and Alan said, it would, oh, it's real. It's very
0: real. <laughs> uh, well, knowing that we got, what, uh, six picks left? Is that right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, we got some heavy hitters on this list here still.
1: Same picks left each, yep. Same picks left each. Yeah, so... And I've got some big-ass names. ah.
0: Right, we got some big names to get through. And I think I'm going to... uh, I think I'm going to stay away from some of the more popular recent uh, people. And I'm going to focus my energies back uh, at the beginning, towards the beginning of UFC. And uh, I don't know if the top ten... I don't think what... When we talk champion, what embodies being a champion... Um, I don't think it gets much more impressive from a resume side than Randy Couture. Um, Mm. Two weight classes, uh, two weight classes multiple times. I think that's really kind of where it stands for me. He was six
1: six times total.
0: Six times total. Yep, six times total. And it was uh, heavyweight, then lightweight, then back to heavyweight. And to be able to kind of pull off that, I mean, this guy embodied what being a wrestler was, um, you know, but to be able to control his opponents, bigger, smaller, control his weight, um, the the lineage tree underneath of him that he was able to put together uh, that kind of carried on some of the, um, you know, foundations of what made him so successful. Uh, the guy is a pioneer in the sport. Um, for that reason, Randy Couture makes my list.
1: Yep, so who does uh, who does Randy replace?
0: Um, well, I think if I look at this and um, I'm being honest with myself, the one that stands out the most right now is Henry Cejudo. Um So I think I'm going to have to get rid of Triple Cringe himself. And again, I think it's really just more of a... Um, I think there's just more people that have been impactful. Uh, it's hard because he's a champ, champ, champ. Uh Um, But I think there's people that are going to come off the list uh, that that I could have probably picked over Cejudo, but I figure I'll just bite the bullet as the wrestling guy and uh, take my boy off.
1: Yeah, I'm looking down this list, and I don't really want to take anyone off. I'm (laughs) hoping that with Carlos as a... Because I've now pick now we're frozen. Someone who I just don't like, so I can vote them off. Uh, <laughs> so, Carlos, I'll go to you. Who's your name? This <laughs> is. Uh... I mean, looking at man. If if you don't bring up some of these names, it's it's shocking that that these names aren't even going to be mentioned. Absolutely,
0: top
2: thirty. <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to. Oh, just give me a quick good top ten. Yeah, yeah the rundown is
1: uh, GSP, Randy Couture, Jose Aldo, Michael Bispin, Matt Hughes, Rich Franklin, John Jones, Marty Mouse, Royce Gracie and Amanda Nunez.
2: Right, I think I'm going to have to veto uh, out of them lot. Um, probably, oh, I'm, I'm going to kick myself for this because I love him, but then the, end of the day, this guy, I'm going to have to replace... We had to replace DJ with Dominic Cruz. You talk shit. I can't help. It's just because looking on this list, I've only got a couple of people that I want to pick, but at the end of the day, fair enough, DJ to me is the GOAT, but he's, he would never able to beat
1: Dominic Cruz. It was it was like £30 lighter than Dominic Cruz and still Doesn't took matter. Dominic Cruz. Doesn't matter. Wow. You... you have made an absolute mockery of this. You are not welcome back on Badlands ever, ever again. <laughs> no, I get it. I got Dominic Cruz as man. Uh, basically the first ever banterweight champion. Uh, I think he was a champion in the WC when they they merged. Uh, and the fact is, of, with all his accomplishments and with all his wins, the thing that stands out for me is that, that Uriah Faber formed a team called Team Alpha Male. Specifically to figure out how to beat Dominic Cruz, who was was the standard bearer at that division. So, in in the terms of legacy, there's no fighter on on this on this list that has 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 kind of inspired so many other great fighters just because they want to beat the living piss out of him. Um, so, yeah, I I agree with Dominic Cruz going on. I don't agree when we argue with, with the greatest fighter. Uh, to come off, you've made some bad, bad picks in terms
0: of
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, what's your thoughts on uh on Dominic Cruz Airport?
0: Uh, I agree with everything you said about Dominic Cruz being, um, you know, as as dominant as a uh, he's the. He, you could make the case that he was the second or third most dominant um, fighter of all time. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that um, Mighty Mouse is the dominant fighter of all time. Uh he was pound for pound, uh best in the world for many years. Um when they weren't considering GSP was being active. Uh, so to take off Mighty Mouse for Dominic Cruz is that's that's a tough pill. That's a tough pill. But does he belong in the conversation? Certainly. And he should be on the list and he should be on everybody's list. Um, but uh but yeah that one that's a that's a tough one. That's a tough pill.
1: So to uh... To round out my uh, are we on the nav pick? I think we're on the nav, haven't we? No, this is my second to last thing. Right. Um again, it's so hard to look down, but there is one name that's uh, standing out to me, it, and it's Rich Franklin. Uh, as as good as he was, he did names that, that did so much better. Uh and I'm gonna I'm gonna take him off for Without a doubt, the biggest draw that that UFC has ever ever had, uh, probably ever will have. Uh, I'm going to take him off for for Conor McGregor. Yeah. Uh, whilst uh, I started as a massive fan of I him, mean, you know, I've got the we've got the the kind of motif of him on, on our uh, podcasting room wall, and uh, kind of don't like the. The attitude that he has sometimes, but it's hard to deny that he shook up the UFC and made it into this global phenomenon that it is now. He came, kind of took the Brock Lesnar uh, style and and just evolved it. Uh, it was uh, it was the the first ever concurrent champ champ when he won both the the featherweight and light titles. The the big sticking point for me was why why I, I was. I've left him so late to pick is the fact that he's never been able to successfully defend a towel in in not only in the ufc but in all his career is he's, he's always kind of been one and done kind of fighter. uh but there's there's no arguing that he's the biggest draw that the ufc's ever had i think in looking on the 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 barry at least he had five of the top six uh barry uh pay few barriers and then he even went on and crossed over into boxing and had the the biggest boxing match that that there's ever been, drawing nearly 7 million bars and $700 million of revenue when he uh when he faced Floyd Mayweather. Uh, so his argument, the biggest star that UFC's ever had, He's definitely the biggest star, uh, draw that they've ever had. And the fact that he's the first ever champ champ and he's always in the conversation for a tile shot, it's, it's hard to deny him a spot on the list, especially when you look at Rich Franklin and Rich Franklin is a one and done kind of guy. So um yeah, I'm gonna go with Conor McGregor.
0: Yeah, it's a, I mean it's about time we say his name. And yeah, again, all these different aspects of champions, uh the biggest one being drawing power. And there isn't a bigger name in the game um who can draw money, uh who pushes the needle in one direction than Conor McGregor. So he has to be on this list.
1: Mm-hmm. Carlos, are you happy with uh with Franklin being took off for, for
2: Connor. Yeah, yeah. So your your argument stands. Uh, even though I say, Franklin uh, my eyes. He, he for me personally, he had the the better in career. But with McGregor, what he were able to do, were being able to sell snow to an Eskimo. He he. You I mean, right, he just
1: told me about the whiskey.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's just the with was a chill something in the modern era and but he were able to do it. He were able to do it right. He he knew obviously now it's changed, a lot of people get pissed off of him, but at the end of the day, looking back in two thousand fifteen, when he were this loud mouth, when he had all the fans rallying, when people did love banter and and he were basically just ripping the piss out of his opponents, like every chance he could get and and everyone were buzzing off it and no one's a bigger draw in the UFC than him. Yeah. and he's not even a champion. And 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 it, it
1: comes to something. I mean, you can kind of like dismiss his in uh, fighting prowess because of how big his, his character has become. But he had the best part three years out of the business, came back and demolished Donald Cerrone, who, yeah. who is one of the, the the best fighters to never have won a won the, a UFC title. It's right. just. It's it's shocking how good he is, and if he applied himself to this business um, more than than the kind of like the caricature that he's become, you could be talking about someone who's the first ever triple division champion, multiple defences. But he's gone where the, the money is, and and he's become this massive uh, kind of almost superstar. Uh, Probably he he had to uh, mention whether he stays on in the in the last few picks. Who knows, but. Uh, Paul, last pick.
0: Um, okay. Well, here we are. And, uh, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, we've said a lot of names up to this point. And, uh, you know, I have to, I have to erase the last person on my list, um, to add this person just to make sure, just so that I'm confident that, that over in the UK, we don't, we don't try any of our sneaky tricks. But uh, the person that deserves being on this list, probably just as much as anybody else, that hasn't been said yet, is Anderson Silva. Uh, Anderson Silva is uh, should be regarded as one of, if not the most, um, compelling um, fighter um, in in UFC history. Uh, he, you know, was an anchor for them um, when they needed it the not the most but they were an anchor he was an anchor for them uh and that division for a very long time he was he was as entertaining of a a a fight as a fighter than that I can remember not because every one of his fights were like terribly exciting but because there was always that wow factor of how is he going to knock this guy out? And if he's going to knock this guy out, it's going to be a crazy knockout, you know? And, yeah, and if that's... not, then it's going to be a war, you know? Yeah, right. This is the innovation side of it. You know, and then the execution of it, which is even crazier. The fact that he's in there against somebody else, and they know some wild shit's coming. And he's still able to figure out a way to get you on the chin was always uh, a sight to see. But then the wars that he would have, too, like with Sonnen, for example, um, and finding a way to win. And defending his title as many times as he did, you know, he is um, there's a couple other names on my list, but Anderson Silva, I it, I would be doing it. As, and I assume one of you two would pick him up if I didn't. But uh, it being the last round and all, I don't want to take any chances. Anderson Silva, uh, who I'm going to take off for him is going to be Royce Gracie. And oh, yeah, I know. And here's why. Let me just tell you why. Um, Not because of anything. Royce Gracie is the reason that we have mixed martial arts. Uh, You cannot understate how important the Gracie family is to, to, to fighting, the fighting world in general. However, what we're talking about right now isn't the most impactful people to ever grace this sport. It's the top 10 UFC champions of all time. And when you look at the body of work, it when you look at how the sport has evolved over the last 20, 25, 30 years, and you say, you know, single discipline versus multiple facets of different disciplines, uh, yet the the sport has evolved in such a way that I can't overlook uh, what's being done today, what's been being done t- a decade ago. And and for all those reasons, uh, we wouldn't be where we were without Royce. We wouldn't be where we were without Bra- uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. With all of that said, as far as UFC champions go, you put him and you put that style in today's MMA, and he's not as successful because he mm-hmm. only knows one thing. So for those reasons, I gotta I got to take him out.
1: Yeah, I, I understand that, and I mean it's hard to to justify a, a list of the ten greatest UFC champions without Anderson Silva on. Uh, when he 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 went nearly two thousand five hundred days as champion, that's just it's it's unheard of. And yeah, he was he's arguably up there with GSP as, as potentially the greatest fighter to ever lace up the the gloves. So yeah, I, I have no issue with uh with taking off a. Uh, Gracie on this list. It's hard to look at this list and think who should actually be took off. To be fair, um, Carlos, your last pick. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, looking at my list, I've actually got two, four, six,
0: eight, <laughs>
1: ten <laughs> names.
2: I've got a couple left. <laughs> Honestly, so we're perfect. I, I literally, were going to pick him, man. Um, so that were a perfect pick. Uh, so I think I'm going to have to switch it up, and I'm. I, I don't think you and probably are going to like this last one, but this is my last pick. I'm going to have to make it count, and I'm going to go back in the, I'm gonna go back in the early day of the the legend that that was mixed martial arts before Brock Lesnar came about. It's got to be Chuck Liddell. When you're speaking about a list of all-time greatest UFC champions. And then just all time greats. Chuck Liddell's in there. I know he's at the end of his career. Uh, he got, uh, he started getting like a glass jaw. Yeah. Um,
1: that would be my sticking point. From what
2: he were able, from what he were, were able to do inside the octagon and be basically UFC's number one star for, for so long and, and there's the, being able to be on top, and not only that, he went over to he went over to Pride to to basically challenge for I think for the belt over there. Um, unluckily for him, he got knocked out by Rampage. But he still came back and still uh, still defended his title. I think he lost it to Randy, but his career as a whole put sort of mixed martial arts on the map. If you will, yeah, um, yeah. I think he needed the foil of
1: uh, of someone like Tito Ortiz. I don't think. I think it's it's if he didn't have like that the the kind of people who he went up against. I don't think he would have had as much of an impact. Oh but yeah, I didn't uh, get it. He's, it was the UFC's uh, well, alongside I'd say with Tito Ortiz, UFC's first kind of rock star almost.
2: Yeah, yeah, dare enough. I'd say. Well, it's just hard to deny what he what he did for yeah, the sport yeah. and, and, like I say, in the octagon and for how much he's always been involved uh, in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's... He's going to be my last legendary pick. I mean, um, for me,
1: um, again, it goes back to the glass jaw. I think... Um, MMA evolved and he didn't kind of evolve with it and it, it kind of left him mm. behind. Um, but, yeah, I, I can understand the, the kind of impact he had. Um, who's he replacing? See, that's it. That's, <laughs> that's, hard, it? that's harder than actually <laughs> name forward. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's have a quick rundown now at top ten. Uh, so you've got GSP, got Randy Couture, got Jose Aldo, Michael the Count baseman Matt Hughes, Conor McGregor, John Jones, Dominic Cruz... Anderson Silva and Manda Nunez. I'm
2: gonna have to replace him with uh, Matt Hughes. Yeah, that was the that was the standout name for
1: me as well. Um, <laughs> when you look at the list and you see like GSP from them welterweights, and you think he was head and shoulders above Matt Hughes. Yeah. So I, right. I get that. Um, whether he'll stay on, I don't know because, like I said, I've got ten names uh, and. Yeah, it's it's going to be hard to justify having Chuck Liddell on a thing when I'm looking down the rest of the list. What's your thoughts on a uh, Chuck Liddell pup? Uh,
0: I think that you nailed know, it with the fact that he was, uh, you know, he was the face of the company um, for for a couple of years. You know, mm. um, obviously he had the the key feud with Tito, um, you know, but and, and obviously the the glass after, um, but he was. The Iceman, he was the not he was a knockout artist, which is what the UFC needed at the time. Yeah. Um. But he was, you know, the the guy for UFC. He he was, you know, if it was professional wrestling and it was back in back in the day, like they had all their chips in one basket. And that guy was responsible for going and and putting, uh, you know, that wrestling promotion on the map. And that's what Chuck Liddell did. He had to own being not just a great fighter, but being a superstar on top of that. And, um, you know, there's that that isn't always easy. GSP couldn't be that, you know, like he Mm -hmm. he GSP is always about GSP, um, which is why he's so good. Um, Chuck Liddell tried to be the face and succeeded at being the face of the UFC. And that's no easy task.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Rob. Going into the last pick, and like I said, I've got loads on my list. I, sure. I, there's one that's standing out, and it's the person who, who I'm who I'm going to put forward. Uh, so I might as well just run through the ones that I already have. Uh, so I had Ken Shamrock, uh, who was arguably the, the first ever UFC crossover star when he jumped to the WWF. I had BJ Penn, who's the the second-ever multi-divisional champion and was kind of the, the face of that light, lightweight uh, mm-hmm. division and, and had that that real rivalry with GSP uh, back in the day. I've got DC, uh, again, another uh, two-division champion, uh, the second-ever fight to be a uh, concurrent champion, and the fact is he's, he's only losses in MMA in, are uh, to Bones and the Orchids, two of the, arguably the best in their divisions. Uh, I had Tate Ortiz again, uh, for kind of a lot of the same reasons Carlos had Chuck Liddell, the fact that he was he was the 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 face, he was the person who Dana Watt really put forward as, as one of the people who, who he wanted to be the showcase of, of,
2: of MMA. Until he put a t-shirt on saying Dana is my bitch. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I had, uh, you had a JJ check, it's not going to get a mention which is shocking really because after uh, the kind of evolution of women's uh, MMA, she was she was the star. She was the one who brought that kind of attacking flair to women's MMA. I mean, she holds the records for the most amount of career strikes, two of the the the, the top four most strikes in a single fight, and obviously she dominated that strawweight division when it was kind of a lot weaker. But she's still always in that that of being like a, a into those title matches uh, Tyrone Woodley. Uh, again, when the welterweight division was coming out of the, the GSP era, it was like hot shotted with uh, Johnny Hendricks, and then Tyrone kind of give it a bit more. He, he settled the division down, and it was like the, the factor that kind of brought a bit of order back to uh, that middleweight division. And again, he's still he's still in the hunt now, even though he hasn't fought for for such a long, long time. Um, I had Max Holloway again, kind of like uh, Aldo. He became the face of, uh, of that February division, uh, held the title for for such a on fire. But for me, it was more his fighting spirit. He was just, he would take on anyone, um, no matter who it was. Went up a division to to fight for, for that title, wanted to be a champ champ. Lost to obviously Volkanovsky, but I think that was more. His mindset with uh, with the passing of his brother, I don't think his he his head was in that far, and I kind of expect him to to quickly get back to the top of that division. Um, the last one I want to bring up, uh, and it would be hard to to not mention him, uh, considering we've we've spoke about GSP and uh, Matt uh, Matt Hughes, it would have to be Matt Sarah, the the kind of uh, the third wheel in that trifecta of uh, of the Sarah Hughes uh, GSP battle. He was actually the first person to win the Ultimate Fighter and then go on to win uh, UFC title. Uh, I think he won uh, Ultimate Fighter four, and he he won the UFC title about about six months before Forrest Griffin did. Um, and again, it's someone who, who kind of brought sound to that like welterweight division. Uh, but yeah, the last name I'm going to mention, and it, it's a shock that it's actually got to the the thirtieth pick that this person hasn't been mentioned. There's trailblazers in this sport and there's trailblazers. And this person has to be classed as one of the trailblazers in the sport. If it wasn't for this person, we would not see females farting in the UFC at all. Dana White was adamant that this would never happen. You will never see women farting in the UFC. And then along came Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey was the person that, that made Dana White bring in a women's video. He was the person that kind of got Dana White to to go all in on women being able to fight in the UFC. And she was so goddamn dominant for a long, long time. Yes, the, the fight game evolved after after she uh she kind of got a foot in and and once she she was figured out she kind of took tail and ran and went uh, went um, to WWE, but it's it's hard to not look at her coming into the UFC and and saying she started that ball rolling. She was the person that that started that momentum, and she she's she will always be the first ever female UFC champion. There's nobody that can take that away from her. Uh, so yeah, I have to put uh, Rowdy Ronda Rousey on on the list. Um, and now, now it becomes even harder because I've got to vote someone off. And looking down the list, I mean, GSP—you can't vote him off. He's an absolute. He's arguably one of the best. Couture, whilst he was—I wouldn't say he was one of the best fighters—the things he's done for MMA, it's hard to take him off. Aldo again. The face of that latter, latter, uh, wait, Sam kind of brought that leg kicking game, uh, which we're seeing becoming like a the norm in in MMA now. Bisping, no way, I'm voting Bisping off. That's no. bad boy. Uh, even if he was champ for one day, he'd still be staying on this list. Uh, Chuck Liddell's a maybe. He's a maybe. Uh, but uh, McGregor again can't vote him off because of what he's done for the sport. Bonds. Uh, with with him, Silva and GSP, I think that's the arguably the three best fighters that's ever been in October. Dominic Cruz again, uh, whilst he's he might be on the chopping block, he has broke the fact that the that a, a team was designed to stop Dominic Cruz being so dominant, it's hard to to justify that him going off. Uh Silver can't go off. Absolutely great. Amanda Nunes took t- the Ronda Rousey um uh, ball and absolutely wrong with it and became so much more of a fighter than Ronda Rousey, so it's it's got to be Chuck. There's there's only person who, who's standing out to me as, as someone who who I can justify taking off the list, and and it's because when he was around, he he had these other files to to make him great. Whereas I think the the rest of the fighters they were head and shoulders above everybody else, as, aside from Michael Bisping, obviously, who is just. British! I think everyone else is Head and shoulders above everyone else around them That they stand out where Chuck Liddell kind of needed He was kind of like one of a group of fighters Who who kind of made that division strong Rather than being just the the one best fighter So I'm taking off uh, Chuck Liddell for Rowdy Ronda Rousey Now, fire at me guys What do you think about that? Uh, What do you think?
0: uh, I'm 100% in agreement. Um, Ronda Rousey is still probably considered the biggest star that UFC has ever had, um, in my opinion, like mainstream wise. Uh, She built an entire division on on her work. Um, You know, she opened the door to uh, women in professional fighting, you know, at least again on a mainstream level. Uh, she was the biggest star UFC had. She made a event and, uh, pay-per-view cards. There's not much that she hasn't done. Um, is she the greatest fighter of all time? No, certainly not. Uh, that's Amanda Nunez. But as far as you know, the most important fighter, um, especially on the women's side, yeah, I think you got to give her that nod. Um, and she did it while being champion. So I think that she's perfectly appropriate to be in the top 10. Um, and that, uh, you know, we just made it interesting, Mike, waiting till the 30th pick to do so.
1: <laughs> like a real double-read draft. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Carlos, what's your thoughts on Rousey replacing Chuck Liddell and, and being in the top 10? Uh,
2: yeah, It's hard to be mad at you because, obviously, with the, the top 10 we've got, it's hard to see who to take off. But I can see your reasoning through, uh, obviously, we're keeping... Uh, John Jones, JSP, the Anderson Silva, Amanda Nunes, keeping people like that on the list. And if you were to look at them and if I were to have the pick, it probably would be the same. You'd have to take Chuck off. But, again, that's a a very, very hard, hard choice to to make for that one. But what can I say? It's a good pick. Because without Ronda Rousey, you would have never had... You're, Leon, you're, Misha Tate, you're you're Misi Tate, you're Saabog, and Nunes. Mm-hmm. So it's, you can't say she wasn't the, that like, says she was the greatest women's fighter of all time, because so that's Amanda Nunes, but she, without her, there was no women ever Yeah. In, uh, in the UFC. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so
1: the, the final and definitive top 10 is uh, first pick, never even got replaced. Uh, GSP, uh then it was Randy Couture, uh Jose Aldo, Michael Bispin, uh Ron- Rowdy Ronda Rousey, Connor McGregor, John Bo Jones, Dominic Cruz, Anderson Silva and Amanda Nunez. The breakdown of uh of, of picks is uh Carlos, you've got one name on. Nice one. Who's yeah, <laughs> that? Uh Dominic Cruz. I got four names, and uh, winning the winning the <coughs> competition is put with five five names on on the list. But uh, you you won technically.
0: <laughs> I went uh, I went too heavy too soon. <laughs>
2: shut shut your ball. <laughs> <laughs> I take it as a moral victory because you still got Bisping on there, and so I'm
1: Yeah, I mean, looking down that list, it's it's hard to argue that that they're not at least in the conversation for. 10 of the best fighters that, oh, uh, that have been champion UFC. Oh agreed. Agreed. Um, so, guys, where can people find you on uh, on social media? Carlos, let's start with you. Uh, this will be one of your first times you've ever had to do the social media thing. It will be. Uh,
2: so you can find me on Twitter at Carlos, and you can find uh, my podcast that I do with Mags, uh, the Five Rounds podcast on Twitter. Uh, and if you want to Follow me on Facebook. That's uh, just Carlos Kirk uh, And subscribe. Yeah. Put where can people
1: find you and no particular angle and the great work that you're doing uh, in terms of creating content?
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, by the way, shout out to Robbie Lawler. Uh, we didn't really say his name, but that dude should be looked at as well. Um, probably top 25. Uh, first and foremost, I appreciate you bringing me on. Long time coming. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this is badlands debut for me. So, uh, we've been doing this now for a little over a year and plus, and, and instead of finally be able to come on badlands, uh, with or without Tully is, uh, you know, is something special. Um, so I appreciate you for bringing me on, Mags. Carlos, obviously, yeah, this is the third or fourth time that we've been hanging out, uh, and it's a great time every time. So, appreciate you being here as well. Uh, for me, at Big Pause on a Pup on Twitter, as well as at NPA Podcast, one half of the hashtag Queen and Pup Connection. Uh, you can find no particular angle on any and all podcast formats, or if you're listening to this on Smart to Death Radio every Wednesday, uh, you can catch NPA on sda s2dR as well so
1: awesome um so yeah guys what we what are your uh picks for the the greatest UFC fights? I mean if we get some crossover with the with the wrestling community let, let us know your Matt Rushmore, even your top tens um you can follow me on Twitter at daJ follow my uh, anonymous tag team partner Paul at reencounter follow this podcast at Badlands pod. Uh, but remember when you're picking your top tens, we only have one rule here and that is you must always use your head.